0: To worship, have Paul healthy, and a particular welcome if you're a visitor with us today. It's great to have you along, and we hope that you're able to stay and join us for a tea or a coffee after the service if you're able to. Um, no announcements this morning, so we'll just uh, get straight into our worship. We're going to begin with uh, hymn number 112, which is God, Whose Almighty Word. Let's worship God together. God in prayer now let us pray God who was and is and ever shall be who takes a face and a name that we can understand who veils his glory in flesh that we might know him better we welcome you here loving God Knowing full well that that welcome is really just awakening up to your gracious presence already here among us. Father we thank you that we can trust you in every situation and not just when life is good and all our paths seem clear. We bless you that there is no darkness your love can't penetrate. There is no burden you can't help us carry. There's no sorrow that you will not share. And no joy that your presence can't make all the richer. We thank you that Christ entered our world with all its daily uncertainties and worries. That he walked where we walk faced what we face and has confronted the pressures and stresses of life head on we thank you for his life lived in faith in you faith that saw him accept the way of the cross with its sorrow and shame trusting that in the end right and justice and love would win the day and we bless you that his resurrection is the sign that his faithful trust was not misplaced and nor is ours thank you that in the words of the apostle Paul there is nothing in death or life in the realm of spirits or spiritual powers in the world as it is the world as it shall be in the forces of the universe in heights or depths nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord and yet sometimes we feel like there is a separation when life is a struggle When the answers that we want don't come. Or we let ourselves down by making poor choices about how we think or how we behave. Lord, you know our hearts today. So hear us as in a moment of silence we own them and make our own confession to you. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Lord, forgive us. But more than that, redeem us. Make us better people than we are just now. But we cannot do it ourselves. Help us keep reaching out to you in faith. Trusting that in your time and in your company, all will be well. So here, these are prayers which we offer in the strong name of our friend and our saviour Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray together saying, our Father who art today. reading this morning is taken from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 8, and reading verses 40 through to 56, and Aileen Lamb is going to read for us.
1: Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Just then there came a man named Jairus a leader of the synagogue. He fell at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, who was dying. As he went, the crowds pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years, and though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind him and touched the fringe on his clothes, and immediately her haemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I noticed that power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead but do not trouble the teacher any longer. When Jesus heard this, he replied, do not fear, only believe, and she will be saved. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. They were all weeping and wailing for her, but he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and called out, Child, get up. Her spirit returned, and she got up at once. Then he directed them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astounded, but he ordered them to tell no one what had happened. Amen.
0: We sing together hymn number 782, Lord of Life, we come to you. we will remain seated to sing this one. Let's take a moment to pray together. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And this, Lord, is why we gather. We are here to discern, to taste, to hope for your eternal life, not as something distant in the future but as something we can experience even now as we draw closer to you, the Lord of life himself. Father, as we do just that now, as we attend to your word, as we listen, as we reflect, we ask that your spirit will move our hearts and minds to faith, to worship, to gratitude, and to whatever it is in our lives that we most need to hear today. Bring us your word. this is your promise given to us in Christ. Amen. Hers was only the second dead body that I'd ever seen and it was the first who wasn't family. I don't remember much about the visit now. I was in my first year of training for ministry, so it must have been around 1996. And I remember climbing the stairs in the tenement, being shown into the flat with my supervisor, and after sitting with the family and hearing her story, we were shown into the darkened room where she lay in an open casket a wee girl with Down syndrome, barely 10 years old. She looked empty to me, almost like a waxwork. And I know it sounds stupid, but a tiny part of me kept expecting her to move somehow, because that degree of stillness felt so unnatural in a human being. But something indefinable, what we in the church call soul or spirit, wasn't there any longer. And the sense of loss and absence in that room and in the lives of those who had loved her and looked after her was palpable. I start with that story this morning because when we come to look at passages in the Bible that deal with miraculous healings, I think it's really important to stay grounded in reality even as we dare to hope and to pray for more. Sometimes I find myself wishing that there were more stories in the Bible of times when people prayed for healing and didn't find it, or at least didn't find it in the ways that they wanted to. I wonder sometimes if those kind of stories might actually serve us better by preparing us to be brave and stay faithful in the face of illness, rather than placing all of our hopes on a miraculous and sudden cure. Forgive me if that sounds overly pessimistic, I don't mean it to, but I do mean to be realistic Whatever was happening in Jesus' day and in the time of the apostles, and I believe that the healings we read about in the New Testament actually happened, few of us would suggest that the same kind of things are happening in quite the same way today. And if they are, and we're unaware of it, maybe the practitioners who are working such miracles could consider pitching up to their local GP surgery or A&E and lending a hand. Lord knows the NHS could do with the help these days. I'm not for one moment saying that we shouldn't pray for healing of course we should there is nothing more natural or more necessary when our loved ones are ill and scripture encourages to offer exactly those kind of prayers what I am resisting is the kind of argument that says that if we pray in the right way for the right time with the right degree of fervor then we are guaranteed the results that we hope for and if you don't get those results then it's your fault for not having enough faith I've heard that within the church, and I think that's a damaging thing to tell people. I just do not believe that things work that way. But with all of that said, I want to offer you a thought this morning, which I think is faithful to what Scripture teaches us, and it's this when we reach out in faith to Jesus, He will always bring healing into our situation. When we reach out to faith in Jesus, he will always bring healing into our situation. And there are two parts to that. Reaching out is the first one. Maybe you can help me here, but I can't think of a single instance where Jesus healed someone without that person or someone they knew approaching him for help. He didn't go wandering around looking for folk to heal, although goodness knows there would have been plenty of them. He dealt specifically with the people who reached out to him and he healed them out of compassion as a sign of God's inbreaking kingdom. So reaching out in faith, I think, is important in these stories that we read about healing, whether it's the individual themselves who reaches out or someone on their behalf. That's the first part, the reaching out. The second part is around the healing. And I think we need to take a little bit of care about what we mean by that word healing. And I'm going to speak some more about that shortly. But in today's stories, two people reach out in faith to Jesus for healing. Jairus and the woman with the chronic gynae problem, whose name we never learn. So I'm suggesting that for today, we call her Rachel. So Jairus and Rachel both reach out to Jesus in faith, but they do in very different ways. Jairus is a name in this town, a leader in the synagogue. And he knows that Jesus isn't flavor of the month with the Pharisees, So going to him for any kind of favour isn't going to look good on his CV. But Jairus is long past caring. His little girl of 12 is at death's door. And he's ready to go anywhere and do anything to help her. So right there in front of all his friends and neighbours, he falls at Jesus' feet and he begs for his help. And Jesus is minded to help him. And so they set off through the press of bodies for Jairus' house. And that's when Rachel decides to make her move. Poor Rachel. She'd had this condition for 12 long, lonely years. Think about that in the days before the ready availability of feminine hygiene products. Embarrassment alone would have made her keep away from people. But worse still, her condition theologically in the day made her ritually unclean. And according to the letter of the law, that meant that she couldn't take part in the religious life of her community, which was a huge part of what knitted people together. Anybody who touched her would also be deemed to be unclean. So folk would have gone out of their way to avoid her. Can you imagine any man wanting to marry her? Chances are she was single. So for her to get in close enough to Jesus to touch him in that press of bodies would have taken a lot of courage. But she did it. She reached out her hand and she brushed the fringe of his clothes with her fingers and she felt the healing flowing out of him and into her. And her body told her the good news, that the bleeding had stopped. But before she'd even had a moment to process that, Jesus stopped in his tracks and said, who touched me? And nobody answered because in a way it was a daft question. They were packed in around him like sardines. Anybody could have touched him. But can you imagine what Rachel was thinking at this point? I'm unclean, and I've just reached out my hand and touched the holiest man who's ever come to this village, and I've made him unclean. And he knows he must be raging with small wonder she kept her mouth shut but jesus said again i know someone has touched me because i felt power going out from me now given what we know of jesus from other stories do you think he had an idea looking around him who had touched him i think he probably did So why did he make it so that Rachel had to own up to what she'd done? Why didn't he just let her slip away quietly and unseen into the crowd? It would have been easier for her in many ways. Well, I think it's because this too is a part of her healing. In coming forwards, in admitting to what she'd done in the presence of all the people, as Luke states, Jesus was giving her a chance to witness to what he'd done for her. But he was also letting everyone know that the ailment that had kept her separate from her community for all those years had been dealt with. He didn't just heal her physically. Because he cared for her, he wanted to heal her socially and relationally as well. It's a wonderful thing. And we see the very same kind of care in the way that he deals with Jairus's daughter at the end of the passage you'll remember that as Jesus and Rachel were speaking word came that the young girl had died but he reassured Jairus that things would be okay and they hurried on to the family home and did you notice what happened when they got there Jesus only allowed Peter James and John into the house along with the girl's parents and he told the crowd of mourners outside that she was only asleep rather than dead which they didn't believe and after he brought her back Jesus insisted that her parents not tell anyone what had happened and I wonder if there's a very practical reason for that this girl was dead I mean they knew death in those days in the Middle East it was common she wasn't she was dead But Jesus is kidding on that she's not dead for her sake. If people think that she's just been unconscious or in a coma, that's one thing. But if they think that she's come back from the dead, that's going to bring a whole load of unwanted attention on a 12 year old child. Everybody's going to be nosy. Everybody's going to ask her about it and wonder about it. It's going to put a lot of pressure on that kid and not just from her own community. Later on in John's Gospel, we read that once Lazarus had been raised from the dead, the chief priests made plans to have him killed because his story was attracting more and more people into following Jesus. So once again, I think we're seeing Jesus going the extra mile here, not just restoring the girl's life, but putting plans in place to protect her from unwanted intrusion going forward. And all of this, I think, feeds into our discussion about healing and what it means. I said earlier that when we reach out in faith to Jesus, he will always bring healing into our situations. But the thing I want you to understand is that healing comes in many different shapes and forms. Sometimes it may be physical healing. I believe God can and does still heal in response to prayer. And although the whys and wherfers of that are beyond any of us, our first instinct should always be to pray and to express our desire for physical healing to God. Sometimes like Jairus, we reach out to Jesus on behalf of others. Sometimes like Rachel, we reach out to him for ourselves in faith. But we have to ask him for what our hearts desire. And that very often is physical healing. But sometimes healing comes in the form of a hard-won acceptance, being reconciled to a diagnosis that isn't likely to change, and determining to make the best of it. Sometimes healing comes in the new depth and intimacy that forms between people when life gets difficult and things have to be accommodated and worked through. Sometimes healing comes with a mental shift from what's no longer possible to what is possible. Focusing not on how things were, but on how they can be in the future. Sometimes, I think, very often, healing is more about strengthening the heart or the soul or the mind rather than the body. And sometimes... In the extreme healing can be a blessed release from a situation that's left someone merely existing rather than living setting them free from the pain and confusion that have overtaken their lives there can be such a thing as a good death dare we say a healing death and that's what Gerard Kelly Reminds us of in this poem, which he calls Marvelous Healing, which was written about a friend's long struggle with an incurable illness. It was a marvelous healing after the months of asking, of waiting, after the desperate, slow deterioration, the warring tides of faith and doubt to be released in an instant from every pain. It was as if the very molecules of her flesh had been infused, invaded with the life of God, until she was filled, fit to burst, with the shalom, the peace of the Father's rule. Limbs that had fallen flaccid with weakness, waved and danced with joy. Lungs that had so utterly failed her, sang out with strength and boldness she ran through the unfamiliar sunlight drinking it in experiencing all at once the thousand and one feelings that for so long had been denied her it was a marvelous healing to be so totally restored made whole rebuilt it had just surprised her a little that she had had to die to receive it. Healing takes many different forms. And although physical healing is often the one we long for, it's not the only kind of healing that God brings. I'm convinced that when we reach out to faith in faith to Jesus, he will always bring healing of some kind into our situations to enable us to face what's ahead of us with faith and with confidence, knowing that it is all held by him, not just in this age, but also in the age to come. Amen, and thanks be to God for his word. We're going to take a moment or two to reflect on that now as we sing quietly hymn number 755, Be Still and Know That I Am God. And again, we'll remain seated to sing. to make our prayers for others now and as we do so that's a short response that we'll use when I say loving father I'd invite you to respond hear our prayer loving father hear our prayer let us pray Jesus Christ light of the world wherever life seems dark bleak and hopeless may your love bring a new dawn Loving Father, hear Hear our prayer. Jesus Christ, Shepherd of the sheep, wherever people feel lost, searching for guidance and direction, may your love lead them forward. Loving Father, hear Hear our prayer. Jesus Christ, wherever people hunger for meaning and purpose, something to give shape to their lives may your love nourish them deep within loving father hear our prayer Jesus Christ living water where life has lost its sparkle and laughter seems to be a thing of the past may your love rekindle joy Loving Father, hear our prayer. Jesus Christ, Lamb of the world, wherever there is hurt and suffering, may your love bring healing. Loving Father, hear our prayer. Jesus Christ, man of sorrows, Wherever there is heartache and heartbreak, may your love bring comfort. Loving Father, hear our prayer. Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life, wherever death casts its shadow, may your love bring the promise of eternal blessing. Loving Father, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayers because we ask them all, spoken and unspoken. In the name of Jesus Christ, our friend and our Savior. Amen. We close our worship now in the words of hymn number 707, Healing River of the Spirit. Peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore.